Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. We have our next guest, our last guest for the day in the studio. I know, it's gone quickly today. We have tenor opera singer and joy favourite. Yay. (laughs) Chanul Sharma in here to talk to us about Opera for All, which is part of Opera Australia at Federation Square. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, everybody. How's how are we going? Good. Pretty good. good. Lovely to see you. Absolutely lovely to see you. You were such a treat when we first interviewed you. And then we did Nata hunter interview with you as well so i feel so i know you you know like we're old friends <laughs> yeah now, that's right it's uh, familiar which, which ground is, for me it's like coming home yeah <laughs> uh, so give give our, our audience a bit of a, a background on who you are uh, where are you originally from so i'm originally from india uh, but i'm an opera singer i'm a tenor as you know eve pointed out uh, and uh, i used to be in a rock and roll band before i became I know. Well, you an came, opera singer <laughs> when you came to australia and went oh what am i going to do i'll be a rock and roll singer yeah. uh, death leopard was one of your favorite bands <laughs> That's right. and, and then you turn around and you end up with opera australia how how did that happen i you know i, I heard luciana pavarotti on youtube one day and i was like this is when i was right we were writing our third album I think and um, I, I just came across him on YouTube and I was like I'd like to sing like that someday and uh, one thing led to another and when my band folded up in 2012 I moved to Melbourne in 2013 because I was living in Wagga Wagga of all places because it was cheaper <laughs> there you see yeah. and it was right in the middle of Sydney in Melbourne so you can travel everywhere oh, okay. um, so and we had a trailer and all that but you know then uh, when the band folded I thought I'd move to Melbourne and start training here. Um, And then, yeah, one thing led to another. I got my first opera contract in 2014 after singing nine high seas at the Hamer Hall, or not Hamer Hall, Art Center, yeah. the State Theater. State Theater, uh, right. And I had a job two days later. So, wow. And the re- then, uh, the since rest then, I've just history. gone, I think I'd like to do it yeah. <laughs> properly. Incredible yeah. uh, 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 <laughs> Unbelievable. And the, the other side of it is um, the first Indian-born uh, person to be with Opera Australia as well. Yeah, so, uh, which yeah, is yeah. a real coup in that respect as well. And the fact is, you're doing so much with them. Uh, you know, like this um, uh, this event uh, next next week. It's next weekend, isn't it? Yeah, next Saturday. Next Saturday. Um, and what, what's it like when getting out on stage? You know, like and the big productions that Opera Australia um, uh, put on, and you know, like you're part of it, or at this free concert in Fed Square. You know, like it, it must be so exciting. It really is, you know, because it's, you get, I mean, I get to sing some of the most amazing music that's ever been written. And the, the, the beauty about opera and live music in general is that you can put your own interpretation on something that's existed for so long. And for me, a lot of the material that I'll be singing on Saturday at four o'clock is uh, some of the stuff that I've, you know, kind of uh, in the past looked at and go, oh, I'd like to sing this someday and I'd like to sing that someday. Yeah, now now yeah. here I am in a free event at Federation Square, one of the most iconic places in the yeah. world, I would say, definitely for Melbourne. Yeah, and uh, tell us some of the, the pieces you're, you're going to be performing. 
I, I'm, are we allowed to talk about the set list? Oh, I'll tell you, we have all the populars anyways. You know? <laughs> okay, oh, you don't want to give it away. You I'm, don't I'm not sure if I'm allowed to. <laughs> but we have a, a very beautiful uh, duet from the Le Pêcheur de Pearl, uh, the Pearl Fishers, yeah. which is Au fond du Temple Saint. And uh, that's, I think, one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written. And the fact that it happens to be a duet between a tenor and a baritone is mm. even more amazing. So there's two male voices competing for the same woman in a very um in a very non-judgmental in a very polite way yeah there's no other way to put it because yeah. the music leads you there hmm. whether you want to go there or not i mean there's, there's no way of singing uh that duet uh strongly it is delicate and is beautiful um and we also have uh, one of my favorites from uh, rossini from il barbieri di Sevilla, the barber of seville yeah uh, well because you went on tour with that for a, a i did yeah bit for, last for three year. months yeah. yeah i was on tour all over australia yeah and i've done it in europe and everything as well oh of course you have yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's one of the operas that is done so often so, yeah uh, and yeah. i love uh, singing the role of the alma viva which is the uh, the tenor part in il barbieri di Sevilla, and so we're singing the first aria from that as well which has got lots of high notes and has, has a lot of coloratura which are very fine uh, you know fast notes i suppose and a uh, most gorgeous cavatina which is the first part of the aria where the guy's basically saying come on rosina wake up i want to sing to you <laughs> uh, under Aww. your balcony i've got this orchestra and he's pretending to be a poor student <laughs> but he has an orchestra with <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, why are you still sleeping? The sun is rising. Wake up. I want to sing to you. Oh, beautiful. I'd love to be woken up like that. Yeah. Just out there. We'd all like to be woken up like that. High notes right in your ear. Uh, so how many people are performing uh, next Saturday? So there are four of us, yep. uh, of course, with uh, Orchestra Victoria and Brian Castle's Onion Conducting, yep. one of Australia's greatest conductors. Uh, so it's, there is uh, Olivia Cranwell, who is the soprano, uh, Dimitri Shepard, the mezzo-soprano, uh, myself, the tenor, and uh, uh, Simon Meadows, who is the baritone. Right. So Thank we have a whole myriad of voices. Uh, so the, the repertoire is going to be absolutely And it's amazing. free. It is. It's yes. free. It's uh, part of BMW Opera for All, which is something they do around the world. Yeah. And in Australia, they, co they collaborate with Opera Australia, and they do it uh, at Fed Square, and it's like a free event. You know? Wow. Amazing. So this is in the open air of Fed Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it like? How different is it seeing in an mm. open air space as opposed to a venue that has um, acoustics? Acoustics, yeah. Yeah, look, it's different, but, you know, at the same time, it's also familiar because um, it's in the same setting i guess it's just open air mm -hmm. and of course it's amplified so you still get you know yeah, a bit of it back. How, how do you find with that because the opera singers you know like pride themselves on singing without amplification and then all of a sudden you've got a microphone is that a bit strange for you singing into a microphone well personally for me because i come from rock and roll so that's it's okay you know you yeah. have to like i think do you have to stand back a bit, though, from yeah, the mic? Yeah, look, I think the, the technique on the microphone is a little bit different as opposed to singing in a purely acoustic theatre because, yeah. um, um, I mean, uh, that's how I hear it, you know. Sometimes the some, some voices, for example, do not translate very well when you amplify them. But in the theatre, they're absolutely gorgeous. Yep. It's because of the acoustic of a closed yep. environment. Yep. So... As performers, I suppose we just have to adapt, you know. Uh, in the end, the audience tells you whether it was how it was, how they felt you, you know, yeah. how they look at you. And uh, that's the that's the bolero, that's the dance that we have as a performer and the audience, you know, yeah. how just by looking in their eyes, you yeah. can see what's going on. Wow. And <laughs> and what what's it like, you know, instead of 
very formal in a theatre, everyone's sitting there, and it's just people milling around, standing in Fed Square, um, and you, know, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. could be windy or it could be... Um, Fingers crossed r- is good. No rain, no rain, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like, just the elements must be exciting to be part of being outdoors as well. Totally. It's something different, you see, rather than being inside, and you see more of the... the you know, look, going on a bit of a tangent, as you know, that I like to do. <laughs> Opera has written about common people having common problems on a daily basis, yeah? And in a theatre, you might not meet that sort of audience because opera is viewed as a bit of an esoteric art form which, you know, it, you require a bit of maturity and intellectual investment mm. to appreciate the art form. But in this setting, you can we can bring all of that to the, you know, to the normal people who do not go to the theatre even, or an art gallery. But, hey, there's loud music, there's some wonderful singing with wonderful music going on. Uh, let's go, Let's all go to the Fed Square and have a listen. So yep. we see, that and we this is our opportunity to present to them. Yep. That this is a story about you guys, yep. stuff that you're going through that was written hundreds of years ago. Mm, yeah, and, and letting uh, the general public experience opera. Yeah. Uh, where in most cases, as you said, uh, they don't get an opportunity and, and could win people over. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why it's vital for the art form's survival and for the art form's expansion, I would say, uh, that we are able to do more of these mm. to invite people and go, look, this is your house. Mm. Come in, enjoy yourself. Yeah. You, know? you might be going through something in your life and here, there's an aria yeah. written just for that. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. Now... Um, apart from from everything else you, you've been doing, you're, you're heading overseas for a few months. You can't talk about it at this stage. Sorry, uh, no, no, that, that, that's, but Get you out did. Of here. But, you, but you did tell us off off uh, air, so we we do know. Uh, but that must be exciting. You know, like being invited to go overseas to perform. It is. I, I mean, I, I mean, I love traveling almost as much as singing, <laughs> and, and you know, and uh, yeah, just. For the invitation, it's great, you know, yep. that, um, you know, people around the world are thinking that for me as a particular, you know, as a specialist interpreter for certain so, sort of things. So, yeah, yep. no, it's great. It's it's very humbling. But then you're coming back to perform what? And you're already That's rehearsing. Right. That's right. You know, so I actually was in Sydney for the last three weeks observing the rehearsals for the Magic Flute, which opens in Sydney on the 1st of February. But I'm doing it in November uh, because by the time I come back from Europe, I think I will only have a very short amount of time. Uh, so, oh, so you've got to get the rehearsals so in now. We yeah. managed. We managed to get the rehearsals in earlier in the like just a few weeks back, and I'll just come in and put it on the floor in Geelong because, as we know, the State Theatre is closing for a few years. Oh, so yes. Opera Australia is moving to Geelong right. to stimulate that audience there. Yeah. And in fact, uh, when we were on tour last year with Barbera Sevilla, we were the first opera to perform in that theatre. So we have uh, popped the cherry, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> in a way, you know, can we say that? Uh, but uh, no, we, we were the first uh, uh, company to do an opera in there, and uh, it was it was. And, and this is such a fabulous opera as well. It is. Um, yeah, like, what, what, what is it about particular operas that make them uh, more famous than others, and especially this one? Because uh, it's actually quite commercial, the, this, yeah, isn't it, the way it was written? I feel it's relatability more than anything else, you know, uh, I mean... The Magic Flute in itself is a very innocent story, which I think from an audience perspective, it allows you to put your own interpretation on what's going on. Uh, And also the music is just gorgeous. 
Yep. Even now. And you who, know, who wrote the music? Tell Mo- our audience. Mozart. Mozart. Yeah. Mozart. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, it has that Mozart. You know, almost simplicity. Yeah. Well, as, as I simplicity. said, commercial. You know, like it's more more uh, accessible to the general public because that's the way he wrote. You know, he was sort of like a pop star, wasn't he? You totally. Know? Yeah. I, I know. We don't know. We have limited accounts of what how his music was received when he was alive. But sometimes it was successful, sometimes it wasn't successful. Mm. And then, but you look at it today and you just look at it on paper and you go, oh my God, it is so, uh, um, well, it almost seems simple, but it's not. It's, it's simple because it is completely true to what he was going through. And he, he had this innate ability and this talent to put it all on paper. I'm speaking out of turn, you know, because you can't comment on Mozart. It's like commenting on why Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon is the is an amazing album, you know, because they poured everything into it. Mm. Or why Bohemian Rhapsody is such a great song. Why Freddie Mercury sang the way he sang, you know, it was, it was pure, the, their soul pouring into whatever they were doing. Mm. They were in the moment when they mm. did all of that. And Mozart is one of those mm. composers. Yeah. Mm. I've got to ask you, you just mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody. Have you ever sung that? Oh, of course. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Where? Anywhere, f- you know, like amazing that oh, no. you can tell us? <laughs> Probably in karaoke bars. Oh. <laughs> drunk out of my mind. <laughs> I also do the final countdown, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> final countdown. Uh, what a treat having you in today. And you know, like, it will be wonderful to see you on stage in Fed Square um, on Saturday afternoon. Hopefully it's a beautiful afternoon. I'm sure it will be. We'll make it a beautiful uh, we'll afternoon. We'll make it, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, four o'clock, did you say? Four o'clock, Four o'clock yes. on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so thank you so much for coming. No worries. Lovely to see you. It's always a treat to see you. Likewise, thank you, and see you all there. Yeah. Yes. Thank, thank you so much. We'll be talking to Chanel Shamar, tenor of the Opera Australia here on Joy 94.9, Sunday Arts Magazine. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 